Hopefully this mic is going to be better than my other one. Praise the Lord. I love that song because it reminds me of what I'm supposed to be here for. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And uh, when we lose sight of that sometimes, we certainly seem to be throwing Christ under the bus. If you have your Bibles this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians for a little bit for the next few weeks. And I was walking on the doodle trail not too long ago, and I, was, I like to listen to the Bible when I do so. And I just started hearing things a little bit differently, and I thought, I just feel like I need to share that with people because, you know, I'm an equal opportunity guy. If I feel like God is teaching me something because I need to change some things in my life, I want to make sure he's doing the same thing for you all, right? No sense of me just being the only one getting talked to. So I thought, well, I'm just going to share it with the church. Um, you know, yesterday I was out of town and um, came home from North Carolina down that 85 corridor, which I, is terrible, by the way. But I came home and I saw something laying in my driveway and I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a newspaper. And I looked at it and I thought, what in the world? And I, it, it just, I had to take a double take and it was a big chunk of wood. And I was like, where did that come from? And I got to looking at it. And I looked right next to our house where we have some woods. It's being clear cut. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. The homeostasis, if you don't know what that is, I have to have everything the same and everything has to be comfortable in my life. And, um, you know, I don't like any changes in my environment. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going to get a neighbor. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I, I tell you all the time, I think that I'm the problem. I'll go ahead and own my share. I tell my wife, I said, you know, look, we, I couldn't get along with anybody in Indiana. I'm probably not going to make it here either because I, I, I recognize that I'm somewhat the problem. So I'm a little concerned now. And I've been, so what God has been doing is he's been preparing me, it seems like, because I'm going to have to have a change in my environment. And so it could mean that somebody may move in that I'm going to have to have a lot of grace with. I've got good neighbors now, right? And so I'm thinking, I'm going to have to have a lot of grace in this, and God may actually make me put how I preach to you all into action. Who would think of such a thing? So, <laughs> amen. So I'm thinking about that. And I thought, it just so happens to be we're going to talk about these types of things because when we were singing that song, I see the evidence all around me. Your evidence is here. Maybe butchering that chorus a little bit. I haven't got that song quite down just yet, but seeing the evidence around us and here with us, I think what that means is that in this building, we should see the evidence of Jesus Christ being who he says he is, working himself out through our lives right here. So if I'm living in a world where things don't go so right and I'm wondering why God does the things that he does and I'm always questioning, should, why is he allowing this to happen or that to happen? If I need a reprieve from what the world is doing, then I should be able to come into the church with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I should be able to get a little taste of what heaven's going to be like because 
God is among us and he is in us. And the evidence is here because not only should you experience his presence and be aware of his presence, but we should literally experience his love through those that are around us. And they should experience his love through me and you, right? And so I'm thinking this is exactly what is in mind in 1 Corinthians. And I've been saying, I've been walking on the doodle trail, and I've been listening to this. And one of the things that stuck out to me in 1 Corinthians is the phrase, for the sake of Christ. So that applies to a lot of things. Uh, It might mean where I might as well, why not rather be wronged for the sake of Christ? Things like that. So when you think of the, for the sake of Christ, there, are, there is a way that we live as Christians that we live this way for the sake of Christ because we were bought with a price, right? We were bought for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I heard Joe Donjel talk about that this week and it was an amazing concept to think about the fact that when you see a passage like John three sixteen and you hear for God so loved the world, And what do we know about the world? The world hates Jesus. The world wants nothing to do with Jesus. But yet, for God so loved the world, he gave all that he had for the sake of the world because of his love. And so when I hear that, I'm thinking that that is exactly what we do in the church, is that we make sure that we are for the sake of Christ We are not only loving the world for his sake because of his love, but we are also loving each other because of his love. And so Paul is actually addressing this stuff. He's actually talking about this in 1 Corinthians because what is happening is he's answering a letter that was written to him by the Corinthian church. And if you go and read through 1 Corinthians, what you'll find is him saying stuff like, in regard to this or in regard to that. Might be marriage, it might be food sacrifice to idols, it could be anything. But he's responding to questions that the church had. And so in our introduction, if you pay close attention, you're gonna pick up on a couple of things. You're gonna notice in his word, the way he's talking to them, that there is some quarrels that are going on within the church. There's quarrels going on. And not only that, but they have an issue with actually thinking they're a little bit more special than they think, than what they actually are. I know it sounds kind of weird to say, but they're thinking they are more important than what they think they are. And so there seems to be a bit of individualism that has crept into the church. And then add to that, so we're saying also, there's some wisdom issues going on. So if you, where I'm gonna stop reading, you could read on down, and you'll see Paul talk about the wisdom of the Greeks that they seem to be listening to a little bit. And so the reason this is an issue is because they have these spiritual gifts. God has given them everything that they need to be successful, And there should be unity within the church itself. And so Paul's addressing these issues. And one last thing before we get into it, because if we go into this a little deeper in the next few weeks, you're going to pick up on this. The wisdom that they are buying into seems to be the type of wisdom that says, because your physical body is going to be burned up when Jesus returns, because it's sinful 
then God doesn't care about that. He only cares about your soul and, and your heart. So those, those are the things that's going to go to heaven is the heart and soul, not the body. And so they would say, because of that, you can do what you want with your body. Now that opens the door to a lot of things. And so Paul's addressing all of these things. Because just so you know, Jesus saved the whole of you. He's redeemed the whole of you. And because you have been saved and you love him with your mind, body, and soul, you can't do with your body as you see fit because guess why? Remember we said God is among you and in you? The body is the temple of the Lord. I sometimes wonder if we Christians forget that. But when we think of this, we understand that everything that we do is for the sake of Christ. So I'm gonna just start reading chapter one, verses four to 17, and we're gonna get into this a little bit to help, uh, help ourselves to understand. And I'm gonna start uh, verse four. This is what it says. I, think, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Jesus Christ among you, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, and remember this is you all, I appeal to you brothers and sisters in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no, no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence. eloquence I don't know why I keep saying that. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So the first thing I want you to see this morning, and you could go on down, and, and I would even add to that verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the first thing I want you to see is for the sake of Christ, we should be blameless. This is an interesting thought. We should be blameless. And now remember what I said there's always this thought out there, these, these different types of wisdoms that seem to be out there that say, um, for us as Christians, we might say, well, we just have to believe, and because we believe, we are blameless. 
But let's unpack this a little bit more because Paul's making a statement here and he says, you, talking to the church, this isn't a message to the world of non-believers, this is a message to those who are called by Jesus Christ. He says, you must be blameless. So when I unpack this, I think, well, if he means blameless in regard to innocent, what does he mean by being innocent? Well, he says, because of the day of the Lord. Now, if we go back into the Old Testament, we know that the day of the Lord, especially in the book of Amos, is talking about the punishment that God was giving to, now listen to what I'm saying, and you have to read it for yourself, but God gave to his people. Because in the book of Amos, a minor prophet, during the time of Isaiah, in that very book, the key verse to the book of Amos is this, let justice roll like the river. So if you're familiar with the book of Deuteronomy, you know that in the book of Deuteronomy, Israel had a choice when they stood before the Lord to go into the promised land. If you do this, I will do this. But if you do that, I'm going to do that. In other words, if you disobey me, all these things that come into play, because you don't love me as your God, because you love other gods before me, if you do these things, then what you're seeing done to these people whom you are taking the land from will be done to you. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because now understand something. Before I go on any further, you're probably, because somebody might be saying, Pastor, that does not apply to us. That is the Old Testament. Well, first of all, let me tell you, God doesn't change. Second of all, let me tell you something else, that if we are children of God, he does discipline his children because he's the God of love. And what father or mother is not going to discipline their child if they love their child, right? You all understand this concept. So now, because of that, what Paul is saying is that there is no justice taking place as they would understand from the book of Amos in regard to loving God and loving each other. In fact, they were taking advantage of each other and taking advantage of their God. And so Amos is saying, you're not living righteously with each other. And so if you read in the book, you can see statements from Amos that will say, um, he, a thousand men are gonna go out to war from a, from a city, but only a hundred will return. Talking to the Jews. So what Paul then is saying then is this same principle that God was giving to his people of Israel is at work with his people, the church. So if there are quarrels among you, right? And remember what I said, here God is telling me that I, I need to teach this. I thought it was for your all's sake. <laughs> but I came home from North Carolina to see that I may have to practice what I preach, right? So there can't be quarrels among us because then I'm not living righteously with my brothers and sisters. So what Paul would say then, 
for the sake of Christ, for his sake. Love one another, live in peace with one another. Don't try to have your own justice. Don't try to have your way. Have God's way for the sake of Christ. Look at the next thing I want you to see. For the sake of Christ, be united in talk and deeds. So I look up this word, word and talk in scripture, and I can find that it's lego. And what that means is actually what it says, just like the interpreters have put it on there. It means talk, but it carries with it this idea that it's more than just talk. It's also implying that there is supposed to be action that comes with the word that you say. So if you and I, if we are following Jesus Christ as we should be, then what we understand is is that we should be in agreement and in unity about what the gospel is, about the idea of following Jesus Christ. This is why I always tell you, don't just listen to what I say, but you have to read it for yourself because Jesus Christ is your teacher. Did you pick up on what Paul was saying? He said, look, there are quarrels among some of you. In fact, you've all been snitched on by Chloe's household, right? They've told me what's going on inside the church. And what I know is, is that you are saying, some of you are saying, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos and I follow Peter. That's what Cephas is. So here's what's interesting about those three, right? So if you look at it from the perspective of the church of the Corinthians, what you'll find is, is that Paul would have been Saul or seen as a liberal, if you will. Because remember what the dispute was between he and Peter was in Galatia? Peter said, you have to be circumcised. That's what the side, that's basically the side he was on. You have to be circumcised. So a more conservative uh, believer might say, well, that makes sense because God's people had to be circumcised. You must be circumcised to be saved. But yet we know as Christians that that would basically nullify the cross, wouldn't it? Paul says, you don't have to be, you don't have to be circumcised. So they have a big conference in Jerusalem with the Jerusalem council. And so you find out that you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. And if you go to Acts chapter 15, you know that there's several things that you're supposed to be mindful of. Don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Don't eat strangled meat. And to uh, stay away from sexual immorality and also to give to the poor and needy. Those are basically the four tenets that are important to the Jerusalem council at that time. But you can imagine inside the church what was happening. Someone would say, look, I believe what Peter is saying. I don't think that Paul is right. And so you can imagine that these quarrels then might be started because somebody might look down on somebody else for not being what might, some might say holy enough, right? Then you can also say, well, somebody thinks that they're too legalistic because I'm of Paul. I'm not going to listen to what those guys say because they're just into legalism. And so this is why Paul would say, wait a minute. Has, has Paul been crucified for you or was it Jesus? 
And then, of course, he uses Apollos, and what we know about Apollos was that he did speak with eloquence. The word I mispronounce. I don't know why I keep mispronouncing it. It's eloquence. But he spoke with eloquence. We know this from Acts. But he wasn't quite right. And so now you get three different schools of thought. There's nothing that's going to divide a church quicker than people getting off target with Jesus Christ. Because you start following other personalities, the next thing you know you're going to have different versions. Sometimes I've shared with people that there are times where I believe that in the church we're making the image of Christ in our own image because of these things. It's not the image of Jesus. So you had that song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. There's a reason why I love that song. Because it reminds me that it's not about me. So if I'm an outsider looking into church world who somehow sometimes we forget that we're supposed to live in such a way for the sake of Christ, I might look into church world and I might think that what Jesus offers me for someone who might be in need is it just might be a good time of worship, right? And it might just be that I get to live how I see fit. But if I'm armed with information like that and that's something I buy into, I'm gonna have a problem with my new neighbor, possibly. Because if I live how I see fit and I can come in and somehow find peace with how I see fit by having good worship and nothing more, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to live how I see fit with my new neighbor and I'm going to be living for my sake instead of Jesus' sake. And remember what Paul was saying. The goal is to present the church blameless, without spot or wrinkle, right? Because when Jesus returns, those who have added to sin in the world will be dealt with. Those who have sought to avoid committing sin for his sake, they will be comfortable. They will have homeostasis, right? Look at the last thing I want you to see. For the sake of Christ, teach the cross, not human wisdom. Do you know what's destroying the American church today? People who follow, I follow this pastor. I follow that pastor. I follow this author. I follow this singer. And then some will say, but I follow Jesus, right? And there's all of this wisdom out there. And you might even pick up on it with other Christians who say, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to heaven, right? Have you heard that? That's not true, is it? Because if you are sinning, habitually sinning, then you are against God. That puts you against God. And so if you're following this human wisdom that's out there, especially in a time for such as this that we're in, we are hearing different types of human wisdom bring itself to the forefront of the American church right now. And we are living in a time where we need to hear from Jesus. 
And what we major on are going to be those minor things that don't matter because Paul says, listen, that don't use that human wisdom. It will empty the cross of its power. So we become people then inside the church who are living a cross life. In other words, I'm living in such a way that I am dying to myself for the sake of Jesus Christ, for his sake. I'm not living for my sake because I've experienced his love and his forgiveness in my life. I put that life that I live aside. And if someone wrongs me, I let it go because it's for the sake of Christ. If I find myself letting it go and I still am upset about it, then I know that I have a heart issue and I have to, for the sake of Christ, I have to take the cross life and ask the Lord to help me to put that part of me to death for his sake. Because for the sake of Christ, I am called to love the world and especially my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It's for his sake. And because it's for his sake, I am going to be able to do that because if I'm intentional about that, it's because, first of all, I love him. And that love compels me to love them before I love myself. That's what I call coming back to the heart of worship. So if this matters, it matters because the day of the Lord is still to come. And if you're like me, you want to be found blameless, not perfect, don't misunderstand me, but blameless in your effort, not saying you achieve it every time, but you are giving effort, you want to be found blameless, in other words, innocent, of the stuff that we see every day in the world. We don't take part in that. We don't do it for the sake of Christ. If you are, this is where we have to reevaluate. Whose sake are you living for? If it's not for his sake, then we have to wrestle with the idea it may be that I'm disconnected from the Lord. If you're not united in word and deed, where we teach that others come before us, or where we say we yield to God's will, not my will, but your will be done, if we're not united in that as a group of believers, then we have a problem. This is when we start saying, the church is being made in someone else's image, not Jesus's. And there's no other image that the world is going to be saved by other than Jesus Christ, nor us. If you're not teaching the cross and you're teaching mere human wisdom, all you have to do, it's like, Tom Harding said, I guess, in our district conference or at camp meeting, he was 100% correct when he said, 
uh, the, the, the God of Facebook. If you are listening to Facebook with all that human wisdom out there, and there isn't grace in that wisdom, you can be assured that it's worldly wisdom. Because without God's grace through the cross, we're dead in the water. But this is where the cross, working with the Holy Spirit, remakes us into people who follow after Jesus Christ. I believe if the church all across the United States right now, I believe if we got back to living for the sake of Jesus Christ instead of for our own sake, I believe the church would not only grow, and it's not about growing so we can say, look how successful we are. That's not the goal. That's human wisdom. But I say growing in regard to how we respond to people when we find ourselves in those difficult situations. If we could grow, you know what I think would happen? I think that the church would regain its influence in the United States again. I really do. I don't know about you, but I've been lost before. I've been lost. And I can tell you that I would much rather live with a bunch of people who are following Jesus Christ than with a bunch of people who are not. That's a tough world to live in. And that's the world we're living in that goes all the way back to something you might have said 20 years ago and crucifies you, right? But in Jesus, the old has passed away and the new is where we are and we are moving forward in the new. So I don't know where you're at this morning. But with all heads bowed and eyes closed, this is where you have to ask the Lord, am I living for your sake or my sake? And if it is that you're following your own will very often, then this is where you ask him, Lord, help me. Help me not to always have my will be done, which creates division, not only in church, but with my neighbors, with whoever I may be doing life with. Lord, let me do your will for the sake of Christ. He's gonna answer that, but you have to be willing. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're grateful, Lord, for your word. There's so much wisdom. The world's wisdom is nothing in comparison with your truth, Lord. I see clearly, Lord, your truth stands in the face of all wisdom and overcomes it. And your way truly is the right way. I pray, Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice this morning that struggles with anything I've said, I pray, Lord, that they would not be of me or of another pastor, but they would be following Jesus wholeheartedly and that you are their teacher, Lord, because, Lord, you're the one who teaches us. You're the one who shows us the way. And I pray, Lord, that we would spend that time with you to learn whether we have to read it or just spend time in prayer, but, Father, that we hear from you so that we can live for your sake. 
I pray for you, Lord. Pray for everyone this morning, Lord, that they would follow you and go with you as they go through their lives this week. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.